And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, I'm just trying to figure out, I mean, honestly, why, why would I choose you? Yeah, why did you choose me as a podcast host? I didn't. Did I? Or did I, I choose did, you? Kind of. Um, well, I mean, there was a lot of different reasons, and maybe that's what we'll talk about. But we're here, and we have arrived at episode thirty-one of our fifty-two part series about how to start a tech company, and this is a good subject to talk about. Now, before we do that, Matt, we're going to actually move. In, in true startup fashion, we're going to have a little mid-game pivot, and this we will be publishing these episodes on Fridays rather than Wednesdays. Okay. Yeah, just because. Just because. Right. There's reasons, which I don't need to get into. Now, one good reason to do anything is that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. And you know, Matt, a lot of people, a lot of companies and startups and tech companies have chosen us as their tech services provider at Fullscale. And there's a lot of reasons for that, some of which we'll talk about in the show. But you know, we've talked so much about why you do this, why you do that, how to go to market, blah, blah, you, blah. You had me really quickly and affordably. I know, I know. You are cheap and easy. I mean, that's right. So hiring software is developers a, is a nightmare. Well, it so, can't be. I thought we yeah. I thought we got off track there. You are still cheap and easy though. True. Um, yeah, I know, I know. I know. I've known you for years. So, but now with that, why do people choose to do business with other people? And and you know, you can have a great go-to-market strategy, you can have you can have good messaging and branding but in the end there are some things that can get you off track in a hurry that make people not choose you and there are a lot of reasons that people do so i mean why do you choose to do business with people well in the context of a of a startup you know it's even different right because you're you're taking the risk of doing business with some new company you've never heard of right and so uh, as the old saying goes, right, you don't get fired for buying Cisco or IBM or whatever, but why should I buy something from you and, and take risk when I could buy the same thing from name, large market leader in the segment, right? Like, that's the challenge. Yeah, for me, there's a, a couple of things that come in, you know, well, and I'm not going to lie. I mean, some of it, if it's an interpersonal thing, like, do I like do I feel like I will like doing business with you? Sure. You know, cause yeah, I, I just, you. if you, yeah, if you sit, if you're around me enough, you'll hear me say that life's too short to do business with and around people that you don't like. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, other things like, you know, what's your expertise? I have no problem with giving uh, somewhat unproven things a shot. Uh, my, my leash for, 
my leash might be a little shorter in those cases. And then a value, but you know, there's a lot of different reasons that people choose to do things and choose to not to do things. And one of the things we were mentioning with full scale and a lot of people have chosen to do business with us. Well, some of that had to do with the first talking point, which is like people give consideration to like, how long have you been doing something or what's your level of success? So with full scale, you and I used a model of our own entrepreneurship and created something that we like to say is by founders for founders we started by solving the problems that we felt that other people like we had, we were we were our first clients so we said let's solve the problems that that need to that make sense for us and like one of them was um you know a lot of our competitors wanted you to only talk to like a project manager and stuff like that and we said there's no value there let's simplify this and give people a direct line of sight to their team and we'll give them some advice about where we've won, where we've lost and what they do with it's up to them. But that was a direct, you know, effect of like the question of like, how long have you been building or leading or doing something successfully? It's like IBM, they've been around forever. So that's why no, you don't get fired for hiring IBM. Yeah. I mean, for sure you, you touch on like being credible and trustworthy, been doing this for a while, but also hitting exactly at the talking points of the, of the problems, you know, they have, right? Like we know you've done offshore development before. We know you've had this problem, this problem, and this problem, and we aim to solve those problems, right? Immediately getting to the pain points that they have and how we are different and how we solve them along with being credible and and all those other things immediately helps you out. So one of the things that people that aren't highly seasoned at selling stuff Um, often get backwards on is objections. So, you know, whenever you're trying to to sell something or get someone to do business with you, um, they will often have simple rebuttal questions. And these are known as objections. Like they're objecting to saying yes for different reasons. They may need clarification about uh, what the service is or the offering or the pricing or some of it. And people that aren't experienced with sales often confuse this. They're like, oh my gosh, this person just, they're never going to buy. They have so many questions. That's actually a good thing. It's when people don't have any questions is almost usually when they don't buy. Yeah. I mean, Um, that's that's my experience. Yeah. If I'm totally uninterested, I won't have to call right now. I'm not going to ask any questions. I'm just done. And for those of you listening, if you ever hear Watson just completely drop off of any of our past shows, that's why. He just, it's like, I don't like this topic. I'm out of here. You've never done that actually. (laughs) But no, so, so, but with objections, you'll find that the more people you talk to, they become like an, the echo that I'm always talking about. Like, and when you hear that echo, you can structure your messaging around kind of like Matt was alluding to a few minutes ago. Hey, look, here's, okay. At full scale, I know exactly what the problems are that people are going to have. And it's oftentimes Mm -hmm. related to communication, reliability, or quality. So address those right away and no one even needs to ask, you know, like if you know that, that it's, it's overwhelmingly going to be a question or something that comes up, then begin to shape your messaging around why you are providing benefit. And I think really when it comes to why are you going to choose someone, what are the benefits that I get of doing business with you? Not just the features of what you're selling. How does it benefit me? Well, and when it's an early stage company like this, 
um, kind of the topic we're talking about, usually it's they're solving a, a industry problem that nobody else has solved or they're solving it in a different way or a new way, or they've created a whole new segment of things, right? Like, oh, I didn't know I needed this thing called Slack, but they've created this thing um, that's a whole new segment and everybody is buying products like this. And maybe I need to buy a product like this because you're in a new segment. And that's way easier, by the way, than being like, uh, I do exactly what Slack does, but just slightly better. Like, that's way more difficult. You want to be the market leader in that situation. Well, we'll continue talking about Slack because we provide a Slack account to over 200 people that work at full scale. Yeah. Now, theoretically, I could use Google chat. Yep. Because I give them a Gmail too but it's not the same. It doesn't do what I need it to do and how I want to do it. And like, I mean, and that, that even, I can send a message from one person to another, but we use Slack. For, I use Slack for a hell of a lot of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a connectivity hub and a notification hub that allows me to not have. So what's the benefit of it? I can centralize communication and integrate different things to create communication within Slack that either make me not have to ask someone, did you do this or is it done or something along those lines? And that's the benefit for me is I don't have to engage in a shitload of redundant conversations. That's, so that's been, why someone does business with you. Yeah. Cause that's and, the benefit. And, and part of it though, is you, if you're the vendor on the other side, you're, you're creating a product for a new industry market and space. And you're going to companies that you know have that problem and you have a solution for it. And some of them may not even realize they have the problem yet, but you've, you've solved the problem that you know that people have. Um, and you don't even necessarily have any uh, competition or your competition isn't direct, it's indirect, um, which is a great place to be. And as a startup, that's where you want to be. You want to be creating something new, not just necessarily competing with you know, other competitors and doing exactly the same thing they are. That, that is way more difficult. So some of this also comes down to some basic buyer psychology. And, you know, you mentioned, so one of the, the one of the reasons that people buy stuff, uh, a, a really popular one is safety. So safety is also like peace of mind. So fear like you mentioned, and that, and that, yeah, fear and risk or mitigating it, right? So like we both have kids, we, before I bought a new car, we, the question is, is, is it safe? Is it safe? Right. And th those are things that, that come, come, to, come to pass. Now, if you have a startup or you're a service company or any of that, like, that's the thing. Like, do I get peace of mind with what you're going to provide? Because the thing is, is you can be cheaper, but if it's a pain in the butt to use your anything, eh, they're not going to stick around. They're, they're, you can't really, without peace of mind, nothing else has much flavor. It's just that simple. So when people are going to choose you, like we mentioned Full scale helps you build a software development team quickly and affordably. Like those are things like you meant, you said it, you got my attention. I'm into that because I'm busy doing other stuff. So can I do it quickly? And does it make sense within my price structure? If the answers to those are yes, you have a clear path of doing business with someone. Cause the last thing I want as a founder or an entrepreneur is to feel like I'm going to spend all of my time messing around or being distracted by your well, shitty service model. Well, and I and I think part of what you're describing just boils down to being easy to do business with, right? I mean, mm -hmm. what and what's great is an early reliable, reliable. As an, as an early startup, 
a lot of times you you've got lots of inefficiencies you've got lots of problems but you're in business and you've got customers right but you may internally have lots of inefficiencies in your process and procedures but your customers don't need to know that either right like you can make it easy for your customers to do business with you even if it's a, a nightmare for you internally until you grow to a point that you can improve those internal processes but the key is making it easy for your customer to sign up for your product and buy it and, and even at full scale that's something that we we work at on a weekly basis is making it easier for our customers to find the resources we have available and tell them we have new resources and improve all that now we can we can be in business without those things but we want to try and be easier and easier to work with and anytime you're selling a product to somebody the last thing you want to do is burden them as you said with a lot of things so the more you can do and say look we're going to help you through this we're going to train we're going to consult we're going to help do this we're going to help set it up we're going to hold your hand all those things help a lot and that also i think reduces some of their you know fear of doing business with an early stage company if you're telling them that that you're going to hold them hand and give them great customer service because i can tell you right now one of the biggest differentiators you can have with your competitors is your customer service yeah and that's and that's uh that's a subcategory of reliability because mm -hmm. here's the thing as well as like if you are really reliable then why you might not even need customer service like set it and forget it that is that's the goal on so many you you mentioned that you like software platforms that do boring stuff yeah they need to be reliable they need to work they're like because if, if they're not if they aren't like so i you know i used to own a high volume event ticket brokerage and with that, we had a sophisticated point of sale and a bunch of different stuff that was involved with aggregating a whole bunch of workflow automation. But I'll tell you right now, if any bit of you began to believe that it wasn't reliable, you're like your mental state crumbled because those things in your business not being reliable uh, they create a headache. You have to go and clean up after them. And if you don't get that mentality out of your head, you don't find the value in it. So it really, when it, if you are selling a business to business product, the being able to, why are people going to do business with you? They also, they want to know that they're going to save time. They're going to save money. They're going to experience some simplicity in doing that as well. Cause if it's as difficult to do the other task as it is to do the one you're trying to create efficiency around, there's no point. Right. Well, and, and, and speed is, is such a, a critical piece of this. We talk about customer service and example of this is from Stackify. Inevitably, a lot of people would download our product and try it and they'd run into something and they'd have a question, right? It, it's pretty normal. Like I installed it, but how do I do this or whatever? Our SLA, our internal SLA goal was to respond to any question within one hour. And 99% of the time we did that. Most of our competitors would take one to two business days. So if they're trying our, you know, our product or a competitor's product and they get stuck, they might download an, uh, our product instead and try ours because they got stuck on the other one. We responded quickly, got them up and running. They saw value in it and they buy. So much, so much of it is speed. And when people have questions or problems, you want to get you want to help them as fast as possible because ultimately they may decide to just use a different vendor or ultimately just get distracted and go work on something else. You, you know, I found over the years that there are a ton of situations where, okay, look, the idea that we all do a perfect job every time, all the time is silly, right? We're human. Now, when some 
when someone's upset or not happy or whatever, that exponentially amplifies the longer you take to just have simple communication with them. Like you mentioned, like getting back to someone quickly is it just does wonders. And, but that's well, back to that whole, that's back to peace of mind. Well, and I can honestly say some of the customers we've had problems with that we fix their issues extremely quickly actually become some of our best customers because yep. they, they have so much more uh, faith and trust in us versus the ones we never hear from. Like they just disappear one day, but the ones that we've kind of like been through the battle with together and solved their problems and built that, you know, relationship with, actually strengthens it, strengthens it, which sounds weird because like they have problems, but actually it kind of makes them become an even better uh, customer. Right. Right. And that those are people that appreciate the peace of mind. So, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, some of this is also like we mentioned convenience, um, depending on what it is that you're offering. Um, I, you know, now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'm a big fan of quality onboarding. Um, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's difficult to do just to get set up, to do business with you, people aren't going to do it. Like, I mean, it, like Twitter is, is infamous for having the world's fastest and easy onboarding. Like it's literally like click boom, you know? And then you look at like Amazon, which has over the years evolved into like a just push here <clears throat> and it's convenient. How much stuff have you bought on Amazon that you wouldn't have bought somewhere else if you clicked it? And then they're like, now you need to set up an account. And then you have to like type in a bunch of shit. And then they're like, verify your email, you know, and you go through like 94 steps well, on the way to like, buy, like honestly, where it should be quick. Honestly, it's, it's sort of the opposite, right? It's the reason I don't buy stuff other places. <clears throat> I already have an Amazon account. So within like two clicks, I can buy virtually almost anything. Or if I go to walmart.com or target.com or whatever the hell it is, I got to sign up for an account. I got to do this. I got to do that or whatever. All this crap, right? Where Amazon just makes it so easy to just keep buying more and more and more and more. And, but it's convenience. Yeah. Because it's fast Absolutely. and it's easy to buy. And that, and that makes people buy. And I don't I mean, even compare prices. I just go to Amazon and buy. So one of the things too is in some cases you have a premium service offering. So full scale is like that. So at full scale, and we were just talking about this before we started recording, we hire one out of 40 applicants, which means you're paying us to go through 39 people that aren't a good fit for you to help you find the one that is. And <laughs> at, go ahead. I was going to say, so we joked earlier about how hard it is to hire software developers. And so we were the crazy people that decided that was like our entire company. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing matt is it was a problem worth solving yeah absolutely we and and for those of you that are listening you know matt and i own full scale we're 50 50 partners there but that did not that business did not start like that and we didn't it didn't take long for us to quickly realize that there was a big problem that needed to be solved amongst people like ourselves that or look, you just want good, you want good quality, reliable people to be on your team, to build your software and hopefully stay in that seat for a while. Yeah. So that's the problem we went, we went through solving. And we knew that if we wanted the best people that we were going to have to charge more because they were going to want to get paid more and rightfully so. Yeah. 
but how do we go about determining who's any good? And so like people will sometimes ask me, they literally say, well, you're a little bit more expensive than the, than the competitor. Tell me why. Well, that's why, because we are literally hiring two and a half percent of people that apply. Like, could we hire more than that? Probably, but we don't because our model is a premium as a premium service offering. And there are a lot of people that that's what they want. They, I want the best, give me the best. And, and I will tell you that the that the clients that that want the best and are ready to go for it, and uh, they're the best clients we have because they appreciate the quality, they help push the quality, and then the service providers we have want to be in that environment. So it works out really well. It's a win for them. It's a win for us. It's a, a win for the you know client and and our employees. So that's I mean that's a great thing and. If you have a premium, so bottom line, if you have a premium service offering, just admit it. Say why. Like, don't yeah, be afraid like to say, hey, everybody. Hey, I'll, I literally say exactly this, Matt. I say, look, we won't be the cheapest, but we're going to be the best. You know, and that's, and, and that's, if you have to iterate through that. So when I owned the ticket business, um, some occasionally, someone would buy like center row three Taylor Swift, like four days before the show. And they would be expensive tickets because they were a premium. And then people would get it and they'd be like, why is the face value on this so much lower? What am I paying for here? You're paying for me to get up and buy that for you four months ago on the day that you forgot. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I would tell people that and they'd be like, you know what? You're right. Thanks. Cause Cause, but that's the thing. So sometimes in that case, like that was a premium service that we offered for that very reason. It was also convenient. And, you know, here's the thing is on you, that isn't like an, 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 uh, a get the, the, I'm pretty sure that nowhere in the constitution are American citizens guaranteed to have front row center tickets available at face value the day of two days before a show. You know, so like, I mean, that's just a simple thing. So if you want, if you want quality and you have quality, I don't think you should cheapen it. Like, you know, like I'm I'm not a big fan of just discounting in general, like set a a fair price. That's good for you. It's good for the client and they, they take it or they don't. Well, and and how much money you should charge for your product and your pricing model and all that is probably its own episode. But the, the key is, um, it, it could be more about the value you provide, right? And not necessarily the cost that the cost that you have to provide it, right? You know, they it, it could be like, hey, I, you know, you could eliminate five employees with our solution, even though it costs us a dollar to provide you the solution. It's super valuable to you because you're going to reduce your labor by X or whatever, right? So, it, it sometimes it's like <clears throat> what you're charging should have a super high value based on the value it provides. That's the key. So let's talk about trust for a minute, because I think like trust is an interesting thing and it's quite possibly what we should have started the episode talking about because, and we kind of did without using the word trust. We talked about reliability. We talked about being established or having expertise or maybe a premium quality about something. But if you can't build trust or appear to be trustable or reliable in that regard it's game over so like so what but i mean would you ever do business with someone you didn't trust because i wouldn't no and 
it, it, it starts with one thing you always uh, joke about, right? If somebody gives you your, their business card and they've got like a Gmail account <laughs> and they don't have yeah. like their own website and domain and all that, right? Yeah. And so some of it's all perception, right? Like you've got to look like a real company that is trustworthy, even though you may just be like you and a couple buddies that have this little startup. It's so much about your reputation and do you look like you have your shit together and it's a professional business or not, right? And part of that all comes back to the trust. And you're, you're talking, you're talking about when I say you need to look like you're in the business of whatever it is that, yeah. you're, say, that you're saying that you do. Right. You know, and that's, I mean, I run into that. Like, it's like, it's funny. I occasionally like just, you run into like a human and you're like, well, what's your, I don't have a website. I've got a Facebook page. I'm like, dude, it's 2021, man. Like that shouldn't be, it, it's costing you business. Mm-hmm. if you don't have that stuff but yeah well, you gotta you got and, and that's that is that first impression and like if you can't present yourself well to clients or prospects uh, uh, from the jump then why would you expect that they're going to want to do business with you well and there's so there's other there's other things to talk about in regards to to this too and and, and in some cases it's the reason why people won't do business with you and especially if you're um, a young startup and you expect to go sell to enterprise type accounts, they may expect you to have different kinds of um, credentials or certifications and things like that that you may not have. For example, are you SOC 2 certified, uh, which is like this giant uh, mess to go uh, through from an IT perspective and your hosting? Or are you GDPR certified? Like all this different kinds of crap, which GDPR is for data privacy. All that kind of crap can keep people from doing business with you. Um, and and, it, and it, a lot of it comes back to the trust. Like big enterprises are not going to do business with you unless you have gotten through these hurdles. And those hurdles, by the way, are huge nightmares. And some of them you should thank our governments for. Um, that just makes it harder to do business. And and the thing is, is you're not going to do much to change those standards. No. So don't spend a bunch of time bitching about it. Just adhere to them and know that those are the obstacles. I mean, really in the end, your goal, if you want to sell something is to get, is get, you need to eliminate, get around, do whatever, all the obstacles on in between you and the cash register. Now, if you are self-creating those obstacles and you have the ability to move them or remove them, do it, do it. That's back Mm -hmm. to that like thing. So there's a few things related to, to trust that, and I think that this is a key thing. So like, you know, and I, I'm kind of just reading these as, you know, suggested things, but say what you're going to do and then do what you say. And, you know, like, that's the thing is it's really easy to depreciate trust. Now, if you lose someone's trust, it is 10 times harder to get it back than well, probably a hundred times, if not more harder to get it back than it was to just lose it in the first place. I see a lot of people mess up in basic trust relationships by doing things like being late, saying, oh, sure, I'll reply to you t- this afternoon. And then it comes three days later. And like these people notice, and you, people notice. You, yeah. you uh, passed on a um, vendor for full scale because of that, right? They said they'd like, oh, we'll, eat, we'll get back to you on Monday. And like a week later, yep. you're like, um, yep. nobody ever replied, I'm moving on. Well, and in that particular case, I had also, when I did like a kind of an initial client interview, 
Um, I mentioned that we had had problems with prior service providers when it came to communication and general reliability. Yeah. So, so telling me that, well, it was, it was a Friday and then we would have what we needed on Monday, a full Friday later, still didn't have what I wanted. And that kind of brings me to the next thing when it comes to trust, like communicate, communicate, communicate. So like frequent, honest communication. So Matt, it's, it's funny because I've had this discussion about full scale with other people at full scale and around. And some people like, I don't like sales. I told someone, I was just telling our staff, it's like, I don't even feel like I'm in sales at full scale, even though I technically am. Because all I do is show up to a meeting and I say, this is what we can do. This is how we're going to do it. We will do it. And this is how we'll support that. And if, and you know, some of that is like, if I don't think we can, I will just tell you, and you need to not bullshit people because the, the clients and the accounts and the relationships that you don't want are the ones that you're not suited to serve and perform the best whatever for. Yeah. Right. Like Absolutely. learn how to say no, learn how to say next learn how to move on. There is someone out there that does that, but you, cause here's the thing is if you tell people that you will deliver and you can't, they're not going to stick around. So you're wasting their time and your time. That's not going to turn into anything meaningful. And like, you know, like you can, like, like I said, you can, you want valuable long-term relationships and not delivering or not communicating or, I don't know, like you can sell without selling out. It's, I do it every day. So like, what are your core principles? Where does your customer loyalty come from? And know what people want. Look, if you're providing the services or trying to sell something, you're in the business of proving that you can do it, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah. What's something, what's something that, that you've run into in the past where you've just like someone like a situation or something where someone just implodes that trust factor, like immediately. Um, I think a lot of time it is the it's communication and follow up, right? You ask people to do things and they just don't do them or they have excuses or just goes on and on. And, and you just kind of lose faith in them. You're like, I just can't trust them to deliver what I need them to do. I'm not sure this is somebody I want to partner with you know, if they I, don't carry, I, I, they're part of it. I agree with that. And I feel exactly the same. And then if I feel like someone's bullshitting me or wasting my time, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I hate, like, I think that, uh, and maybe I'm just turning into a cranky old man, yes. but well, I'm doing that anyway. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but for, for me, like my biggest pet peeve anymore is when I feel like people are wasting my time. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and that's just because time is, is, you know, like that's finite. I can't make more of it. So I have to arbitrage what the best use of my time is. And, and I think that that's like, whether you're a software platform or a product or anything, that's why I like quick, easy, convenient onboarding. Like, can I get you in quickly and conveniently because if not, I'm wasting your time. And some of that too, it's like, you can even go to the full scale.io site. I mean, parts of it are saying like, the, what do we do and what do we not do? Because I can tell you up front, like we don't do short-term engagements. If you need help for 30 days, we're not the right place for you. 
if you need help from one person part-time, we're not the place for you. It's not, it's not that I don't want to see you be successful. That's just not what we do. Matt, you say a lot when it comes to products, services, especially software, like I, I he I've heard you say, I can hear you echoing it in my head. Oh, well, this just isn't what this is made to do. Yeah. And, and you get, get distracted by it, right? I mean, you talk yeah. about full scale. We've done some of this in the past. We're like, okay, yeah, we do a little bit of this. We do a little bit of that. And it's just, it's like, why do we do this? If it's like 1% of our effort, um, it's like just a distraction. It's more like 90% of the effort and 1% yeah. of the revenue. And, and we have this problem, you know, at, at Stackify and Netrio and lots of software companies, right? Where you easily get distracted by things and you never accomplish what your end goal is um, because you keep getting distracted by other random things that come up every single day. So there's another thing related to trust, which is uh, compassion, right? Like, and we, we, we were uh, alluding to this at the beginning of the episode. Hey, look. I know that you've had problems with this in the past and I empathize with that. I had problems with it too. That's actually why I built this business, this service, this product is to help you not have that problem in the future. And that's, com that's compassion and empathy and selling all in one. Cause that will ring. I literally talked to a full scale sales prospect earlier today who looked at our website where it says, we have built this company. This company was built by founders for founders. And the guy said that to me three different times. He said, he said, look, I love this message because I have a problem. I haven't found other people that solve it. And I want to work with people that get me, get what we're trying to accomplish and want to help me win. Yep. Absolutely. Enough said. Enough said, but that, but that comes from some of that begins with the messaging of saying, Hey, I get you. I understand what you've been through, what you're doing. And that leads to the, like the final thing about trust, which is just that basic competency. Are you competent? Like sometimes, I, okay, but dude, it is unbelievable how many people are out there repping competency that are nowhere close well, and even if you think about for a second, just your employees that you have in your own company, how much you trust your own employees is really the speed at which your business can move, right? Like if you don't trust whoever it is on your team, it makes it so much difficult, more difficult for your business to, to do things quickly and, and grow and all that. And it's the same thing with the vendors you deal with, right? If it's a vendor that's super critical to the success of your company, you've got to have a lot of trust in them. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's back to convenience and headaches. And I got to tell you what I'm telling you, if you can, if you can find a way to sell peace of mind, you're going to win. It all comes down to peace of mind, man. It really like in the end, like I've been a super salesperson forever and like really 25 or so, or however many years later, like that is really like my thesis statement, like find a way to sell peace of mind and benefits and you win and you win. Yep. Like what's the peace of mind that Stackify offers, Matt? Letting you know if you have problems with your software, like it's not performing well and customers aren't happy and all that sort of stuff. I mean, otherwise you just, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that's so we just tell you. Like, and that's, hey, and that's delivered for a very reasonable price yep. every month. Yep. 
if not even free. Very inexpensive. Right, right. So, I mean, overall, like that's it. All right. So, what do you, you know, we mentioned some of these, like we kind of went through like the reasons that people buy or the people that want to do business with you. Like, let's talk a little bit because they, they gave us a pretty broad overview here. So, what we're talking as if why people choose you, why should anyone choose you? We made the assumption that we were talking only about selling or using services. What about people that want to come work at your startup? Yeah, and that's a big that's a big part of it too, right? You've got to <clears throat> you've got to um, convince people that may have a cushy corporate job somewhere with great benefits and stock plans and bonuses or whatever, right? To come work for your little startup that has a pretty good chance of failing. That's hard to do. Let's be honest. Yeah. So, and here's the thing is you need to assume that nobody understands anything about your business. So I was, I was trying to recruit someone the other day and he asked me what you guys have insurance, right? We have 225 employees. Yes, we have insurance, like all different kinds of it. But, you know, and so, but my thought with that, like, I actually like sat back after that. And I thought at first I was like, wow, that's a weird question. You know, I have hundreds of employees. Of course we do. Right. But the thing was, is that when I sat back and thought about it, I was like, man, like I didn't really present or sell that well. Because if you're asking that fundamentally elementary question about what we're doing, that's probably me not framing it well, right? So part of what you need to keep in mind if you're starting your own tech company or your own business is there are a hell of a lot of mega competitors out there that are probably offering more. Oh, yeah. Better benefits. I oh, mean, yeah. whatever it is, well, whatever it is. You, yeah. You've heard me last times joke about, uh, you know, I'd hate to be in Silicon Valley where the best people I can hire were the rejects from Google and Facebook and Apple and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're just going to pay way more and provide more stock options and all that. And uh, well, now we work in a remote world where everybody can work for anybody. And um, yeah, those companies are um, recruiting away from you nationwide now. So yeah, it's crazy. So now I pre-pandemic, I had just gone, I was just out in the Valley and we went and visited some past startup hustle guests and did a lot of different things. We went to TechCrunch and I actually asked, I, I recorded some shows out there and I actually asked uh, the guests, I said, how do you compete for talent out here? And I actually got, a, a, I actually got a responses that I wasn't expecting because much like you mentioned, you think a lot of these people want to go work at Google or Facebook or whatever. And actually a lot of the people I talked to said they found the opposite. Like there wasn't a lot of passion around solving the problem of helping people post a, a picture of a slice of pizza yeah, sure. on a, on a newsfeed. So, but that might be the reason why people come work for you. Like, Hey, do you want to solve meaningful problems and do it in a way that you can grow? So it's not always about the benefits or the size of the company. Sometimes it's about the mission, but yeah. that has a lot to do. So if you solve a specific problem, like a specific issue, especially one that are, people are passionate about, that could very well be the reason or one of the reasons that people want to choose you. Absolutely. Like it's meaningful. Like you, like, I, I like, 
and the things that people are passionate about, didn't one of your salespeople that was a pilot work, go to work for a, uh-huh. a yes, yes, he did. dude's passionate about it. Every, yeah. Every time a, I talked to, to him, he was ta- we were talking, yeah, we were talking about flying, yeah. flying planes I had another... and I see him on Facebook and, but, but that's the thing yeah. is he was, he, he could have probably gone and worked at, at Cerner, which is a huge company here or Garmin yeah. or like who knows, or stayed there, but he got around something he was passionate about. And that is really, really interesting. And I had another, yeah. had another previous employee that uh, worked in IT. He was like software developer and uh, went to work for chess.com. Cause guess what? He loved, he loves chess. chess. Yep. And I mean, er, and that's the thing in the early stage, like when, when you also can't afford the biggest salaries and stuff and the best benefits, if you can get recruit people in that are passionate about what your company does and the problem you're trying to solve, and try to get them in on the long-term vision of it, um, you'll be a lot better off. So for those of you that are unaware, I worked in and around the music industry for almost a decade. And Matt, I would run into people all the time that were like, so I worked for Roland and that's the world's largest maker of electronic musical instruments. And that was a marquee place to work. And there's people that like wouldn't have ever quit their job there ever like they could have probably come and been like, okay, we're cutting everyone's pay in half. And those people still would have stayed because it's hard to get in a spot to get, like, if you want to nerd out and play with all that stuff and deal with it, like, and, and that's your life, then, then the, the pay and the benefits become pretty secondary because yep. there really, really is a lot to be said. And so I always, I always uh, in sales, I would always, People would be like, oh, well, this or this, uh, but hey, you could be selling plastic, yeah. you know, and that was always like my default. It's like, I wouldn't have ever wanted to wake up and known like my job every day was to sell the one thing that is truly polluting the planet <laughs> right now. Right. So, cause it wouldn't, it just felt very redeeming. So like I knew all kinds of people. And, and so then I went from the music industry to, to, to event ticketing. Do you know how many, dude, there were so many people that worked for teams and venues. Like they were just like, okay. So like our rep at the Kansas city Royals, that dude just loves baseball and he's a huge Royals fan. Like, so that's a huge upside. That's why I choose this job. Yep. And if you can, now guess what? That passion shows that we had a lot of this sacrifice too. Yeah. Because we're yeah. our, we built so, a product for software developers, so software developers like to work at Stackify because it's more interesting problems. than building yep. healthcare software, or, you know, or selling plastic, or selling plastic, yeah. or selling plastic. No one, no one wants to sell plastic. I mean, just yeah. the oil company. So maybe, but no one wakes up and they're like, "Shit, I got to find a way to sell more oil." I mean, they do, but I don't. I mean. The, but the driver for that is a huge commission check or paycheck or something. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it's going to be one or the other. All right. So, Matt, did you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by Fullscale.io? I did. That's all I need to say. Check it out. We talked a lot about Fullscale, so I won't make a big ad read out of that. But you want life to be fast, easy, convenient when it comes to building qualified teams of software developers? Go to Fullscale.io. Um, a couple things. Thank you for people that have recently reached out to just say hi and hello. If you want to interact with us and uh, participate with other entrepreneurs and yet another community created for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs, come on over and uh, find us in the Facebook chat group, the Startup Hustle chat. Just go to Facebook, type in Startup Hustle. You can find us. 
in which I may later today post a poll about whether I should continue to not get a haircut or just shave my head because I'm, <laughs> I've got to do one or the other. It's getting, yeah, it's getting pretty bad either way. So Matt, we're here at the end of the episode. We like to end with the uh, founder freestyle and, you know, I, I want to point out, go check out Andrew Morgan's from Arknology talking about Amazon and e-commerce and go listen to the episodes from one of my personal heroes, Lauren Conaway, who tackles tough issues that, She's really good at tackling. So thank you for that, Lauren. Um, Matt, what are your takeaways from today's episode? Like what's your favorite stuff? Well, so in regards to if I've got a tech business and I'm trying to get people to do business with me and why should they do business with me? I mean, I, I definitely am a big fan of, of the speed and the customer service part of it, right? Like kind of bending over backwards to give people amazing customer service, you know, even the sales process, all of it, right? Caring about their problem, trying to help them. I mean, in some sense, I'm like really lucky that anybody gives a shit about whatever I built. So I'm going to bend over backwards to work with them and do things quickly. They say, oh, well, we needed the product to do X. We needed the product to do Y, whatever. Like you got to move quickly and really build that trust and relationship with them. And um, that's that's how it's all got to work. And um, as we talked a lot about earlier about <coughs> trust and all these things, and uh, you just got to get your foot in the door and you got to work fast and hard to try and keep it in the door and be grateful that they're even helping you at all so you saying that just made me write down something that i felt like we didn't hit on you got to make people feel important yeah so what you just mentioned like being responsive doing things quickly and with priority or at a minimum communicating when you will and then doing it doesn't mean you have to drop everything you're doing every time like it can be as simple as hey matt i understand this is an important problem I have to finish this and then I'm going to do this, which is solve your problem. Like that kind of communication can do it, but nothing, if you can't, if I don't feel important uh, or that you give a shit about my problem, which is pretty much saying I'm not important or the problem isn't important to solve, you're not going to get a whole lot of business. Um, so that's a good way to kind of ruin a relationship. Now, one other thing I wanted to add in, and I've, have you heard of the term, the trust equation? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. So this is, this is referred to the trust equation. <clears throat> and I found a little simple summary of it. The trust equation says an individual's trustworthiness is equal to their credibility, reliability, and intimacy all divided by their level of self-orientation. Individuals can develop their trustworthiness by addressing these underlying trust factors. So those are like the things, like you have credibility, but credibility without reliability, the whole equation falls apart, okay? And that intimacy feel is that like vulnerability or that transparency or saying like, hey, I'll be the first person to tell you if there's something that I don't think we can do because I don't want to let you down right? That's intimate. That's empathetic. That's beginning to tell you. So if these things don't exist, you can like, okay, so if you, anything times zero is zero, right? Yep. So you can put a zero in any multiplication equation and it's going to come out to be zero. It's the way it goes. So trust is the same way. There's multiple parts of it. But that credibility and reliability are the two fundamental things in there that if you lose either one or can't establish either one, it's over. So if you want people to choose you, that's where to start. 
Yeah. Absolutely. No? It's all about trust. <laughs> I overwhelmed Matt right there. He was just looking off to the side. Oh, then I realized he was daydreaming. He was, I thought that the trust. Well, I, I was thinking had... about something. You were talking about zero times zero. Did you know that what is zero to the power of zero? No, it's not zero. Is it zero? Is it still zero? No, it's one. Zero to the zero power. I don't even know it that was one. a thing. Yeah, you learned something new today. There's so much about math I don't understand because it's like a negative times a negative is a positive. But in every situation where I see a negative in business and then I take it and I'm and I and I cross pollinate it or multiply it times another it negative problem, positive. it doesn't end up positive. <laughs> no, it usually just ends up like a hundred times worse. So I'm really I'm thinking about redoing math because you know, you get to reinvent math every 20 years now, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. now that my kids come home with homework, I realize that I don't know how to do math anymore. Um, yeah. And by the way, if anyone wants to reach out, you know, there's one other thing. I need someone to create fan art of Matt Watson. So whoever, <laughs> whoever delivers that to me, however you find it, are you are going to be in the a Startup Hustle Hall of Fame. So if you're still listening and you know how to create fan art of Matt Watson, do it. Matt, I think that's a perfect way to end this show. I'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.